so excited to teach you through some things today. So take out something to write with, your phone, your iPad, um, paper, pen, uh, a rock tablet, anything that you have today. Let's go through this. And I want, I want to just really share with you. I, you know, um, I get the strangest thing sent to me. And right now there's something happening in the Middle East that someone said is, is starting to hit the, the internet, which is uh, a student there in the Middle East, I won't mention the, the country, has posted and said, this is bogus. They went to one of the zoos and they took a picture of the zebras and said, these are not real zebras. What they said was, is that they have been painting um, donkeys black and white to be in the zoo. And this is not something that was uncommon. They, it happened a few years earlier and somebody ratted them out that they were putting and purporting to have zebras in this in these couple of zoos and really what they were were donkeys that were basically painted black and white that were put inside the zoos how many know that just because it looks like a zebra doesn't mean necessarily it is a zebra which that's why jot this down I want us to talk about checking the label today we're going to make sure things are right. Let me just say this to you, especially to young people. Let me just say this. Because we're living in a time that people are looking for a church or Christianity that's hipper. Let me just say this. We all better be looking for Christianity that is authentic and real today. Let me just tell you that right now. Let's really be careful of looking for something that is hip and we end up with a donkey that's painted black and white today. See, we lost sight sometimes of what things are supposed to look like and sometimes we don't even know what the authentic is anymore. Um, Satan continues his efforts to make, I think, sin less offensive and heaven less appealing. Hell becomes less horrific and the, and the gospel becomes less urgent today. So I want us today to really check the label. And if there's any city in our country that knows what knockoffs are, it's your city right here. <laughs> Just because it says Rolex, how many know it may not be a Rolex? And just because that pen has a little snow cap, it may not be a Mont Blanc. And just because it has an L and a V on it doesn't mean it's a Louis Vuitton. And you have to understand how important this is that even though the label says it, we don't know if it really is. Now, just like you, we experienced when I was and Cindy and I and the children were at Brooklyn Tabernacle, we've experienced some real crazy things in the church. I mean, and I remember Pastor Carter telling me one, one Monday he called me up and said, you would never believe this. He said, Superman and the Statue of Liberty got saved at one of our services, <laughs> that somebody was dressed totally like Superman. Somebody had the green suit on and the thing, and, and, and Pastor Carter said, the Statue of Liberty was weeping just at the altar as they were getting born again. We've seen it. I've seen the same thing. We've had, we've had the same thing at Brooklyn Tabernacle. We had somebody doing our prayer meeting, wheeling a cart through the aisle, selling socks in the middle of the prayer service, three for five dollars. And so we would tell them, we said, you can't sell socks in the prayer meeting. And their response was, what? Nobody here wears socks? And so we knew we had a problem on our hand. Because you don't know what to expect. And that's why when this happened to me on a Sunday morning a few years ago, I just thought it's just normal New York and normal Brooklyn. While I was um, here, one of the things that I, I did was I wanted to find out, or I wanted to find a way that I didn't have to carry two pairs of shoes when it was winter time, boots in the snow, and then get on the subway, and then you change at the, at the office. So what I did was I decided, I said, if I can just get a really nice pair of boots that I can wear with my suit, this will be awesome. And I said, but I don't want to spend the money. So I went on eBay, and I got this beautiful pair of coach boots um, to wear to church, and with my suit, so I could walk through the snow, leave them on, and preach. Well, one Sunday, I was preaching in three services, and something was happening in the audience that I was going, where, where did this come from? And it was, I was hearing horse sounds. Somebody was like clomping, and it was like, I was going like, what in the world? I said, this is Superman, Statue of Liberty, this is, don't you wear socks here. That's what I'm going, that's what it is. So every time, and I'm thinking for our ushers, stop the horseman from making these sounds. Get somebody, get him. And every time I went over, I'd hear, and then I realized it was me. 
What I bought were knockoffs. They said they were real. I paid $20. I was saying Jehovah Jireh, but it wasn't. The, the, the soles were coming off the bottoms. And every time I walked, my shoes were clopping. And I was wondering how the horseman was on every section of the sanctuary. And I could, and literally I thought, oh no, I'm the horseman. And I sat there like a Presbyterian preacher for three straight services, didn't move. I had our, I had our maintenance tape them up with black duct tape and preached all day Sunday because my shoes were coming apart and realized that just because it said coach, it doesn't mean it was coach. That I got exactly what I paid for, that there may be times we have to check the label. Understand how important this is. Someone said the history of Christianity goes like this. Christianity started off as a relationship in Israel, then moved to Greece and became a philosophy, went to Israel, I mean to Italy and became an institution, went to Europe and Christianity became a culture, came to America and Christianity became a business. And that's why we need to check the label today. And realize how important this is. So this afternoon, I want you to get ready to write things. Because I want to check the label on Christianity today. So let me just give you two words to help you as we're going to go through this. That I want you to jot this down. So in theology and in Summit or in any Bible school, there's two words that every preacher is accustomed or are very familiar with. And it's these two words, hermeneutics and homiletics. Now, let me explain what those are for a second. Hermeneutics is the interpretation of Scripture. When you're looking at a passage, you're looking at a couple of things. If you know the languages and you know the Greek or the Hebrew, you look at certain words in the ancient language. You'll also look at what we would call the cultural context, which means what was being said at that time. And the third thing, which is so important for all of us, is literally the context of the scripture, the verses that go before and after that. We would call that hermeneutics or, or a simpler word is the interpretation of scripture. That's what the word means. Homiletics, on the other hand, is what Pastor Carter did this morning, what I'm doing, what Pastor David did at one o'clock. It really is, it really is the presentation or the preaching part of what you study. That many people, you can have your hermeneutics together, but if you don't present it and if you don't find a way for people to understand it, then it really doesn't mean very much. And there are some people that can speak really well, but have no hermeneutics. They, can, they, they haven't even studied the scripture, but they can tell you a whole bunch of stuff. And you're going, what did we get as a result of that? So today, I want to just begin to take not only the, the, my hermeneutics and turn them into homiletics that I can share with you, but I want to use an old homiletic and I never do this, but I'm going to do it today. I want to give you an old homiletic trick. And we would call that alliteration, which means every point is going to start with the same letter. Now, let me tell you why I want to do that. Because I want you to be able to look at the label and you're going to see everything that's going to start with an S only for memory reasons. That's what it is. Because I'm going to keep testing you during this three o'clock service to make sure you are constantly checking the label. Now, this is going to be important because it's not just simply going to be something starting with an S, but literally I'll give you the passage that goes right along with it as we check the label and making sure that this Christianity or what you're saying is Christianity is really authentic Christianity and it's not horse sounding coach shoes Christianity. And this is biblical. Jot this passage down. 2 Corinthians 13.5 in the paraphrase version says it like this. Check up on yourselves. Are you really a Christian? Do you pass the test? Do you feel Christ's presence and power more and more within you? Or are you just pretending to be Christian when in actuality you aren't? That's what Paul says to the Corinthians. So we're not out of bounds to check the label today to go, God, is it the real thing? Because we want to make sure we are defining and checking the label of what Christianity is. So here we go. Let's alliterate it. Let's write down these, this, the first one. A genuine Christian, number one, jot this down. This is, this is going to be really deep, is saved. Listen to this verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. 
And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It didn't say those who were baptized in water, those who were christened, those who were confirmed, those who had a first communion, those who were a member of a church, those who are a part of a denomination. It doesn't even say those who were sincere or serious. It says those who are saved. And we have to understand because sometimes we'll take the wrong letter and put it or the wrong word and think that this means that someone is saved. Or it's like, it's like Billy Sunday used to say, going to church doesn't make anyone a Christian. Just like going into a garage doesn't make you an automobile. You have to understand what, this, what happens when somebody is born again. Because it's so much easier to become a Christian when you are not one than to become a Christian when you assume you are one. And so that's why today I want to be able to take this and show you really what Christianity is. Jot this down. You've heard me say this before, but this is so important. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Almost every time I've spoken here over the last couple of years, I've ended every single message with this. How to become born again is as simple as ABC. And some of you are going like, oh, we've heard it before. But can I tell you what means more to me or what makes heaven rejoice is not filling this altar with a bunch of Christians. It's filling heaven with a bunch of people that were going to go to hell. And now today they're going to heaven. And that's why that means the world to me. It's to see that the gospel is being preached and people are being born again. That's why we always say it's as simple as ABC. A, a couple of weeks ago when it was Easter Sunday, we saw almost 11,000 people walk through the doors of our campuses. But here's what makes this amazing. Of the 11,000 people, we saw for the very first time about 400 hands go up for the very first time to be born again. But here's what's amazing about that. That doesn't happen on Easter. Every single week, we make a commitment to that church that if you bring your friends, the last seven minutes of every service will tell people how to be born again. Every single week. It's not an Easter thing. Being born again is not just once a year or meant for just to happen occasionally. Do you know what's so important is we want people who are on their way to hell to now be going to heaven. And we have to make sure that we understand this. And that's why we'll always, I'll always let people know every single Sunday, it literally is as simple as ABC. So why wait to the end? Let's just go right at it right now. So here it is. Jot these down so you can know how to even share with somebody. I'll tell people all the time, ABC, each one of those letters correspond to a word A. It's admitting that I'm a sinner. See, understand something. Built into each and every one of us is into our DNA, into our lives, into our heart and soul is sin. If you don't believe that, then you've never had children. Let me just tell you that right now. Because none of you ever had to teach your children how to lie, did you? You didn't have to teach them how to say no, did you? You didn't have to go, okay, here it is. When you take something and they ask you if you took it, you were to say no. You didn't teach them that. It's built into them. Something, because the essence of sin is selfishness. It's built into us from the very moment we're born that literally sin is inside of every single one of us. See, what's crazy is, is none of us were born a floor model. Every one of us needed assembly required. And the only person that can put our lives back together is Jesus himself. He's the only one that can do that. See, here's the thing that we have to understand. Because when we begin to think we can put our lives back together, then all of a sudden we start, we start beginning to mess up what the label actually says. So here's a simple question. Let me ask you this question. How do you get to heaven? Because if you say, I'm a good person, nothing could be further from the truth. Because then what you did, if you're here today, or you're listening online, or you're in the annex, and someone asks you, how do you get to heaven? You say, I'm a good person. Listen to me. Then what we actually did was make Jesus a liar. Because Jesus said, there's nobody good but God. And now you. So now we have two people in the universe that are good. It's you and God. Think how crazy this is. Because we can't be good enough to get to heaven 
That's why God had to send his son Jesus to die for us. You can't be a Christian. That's why if someone goes, are you a Christian? How long have you been a Christian? All my life. Impossible. You do not come out of, you do not come out in the hospital and go, I'm born again. None of us. You come out, you learn your first word, mom. And you learn your second word, no, which proves you are a sinner. And that's why this is so important. Because that's the DNA inside of every one of us. Because here's what we have to understand. The reason why we can't be good enough to get to heaven, that leads us to the B part. Then how do we get to heaven? B, believe that Jesus died for my sin. He lived a life I couldn't live. He died a death that I should have died and gave me a gift that I didn't deserve called heaven itself and eternal life. That's literally the B part. That's where God literally loved us so much that he would send his own son to die for us. See, if it was us that can get to heaven on our own, if we can get to heaven by making the right promises or through a priest or a pastor or going through a program, then, then why would God have to send his own son to die for us? He came because we couldn't do it on our own. He, he, he doesn't say, and here's the part I want you to stay with me on. Listen to me close. He doesn't say, he says, if you believe, believe, and according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, that here's this, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the S. Look at me for a second because I'm going to make you really angry at the three o'clock service. Because this is what he said. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Here's the danger is when we religious people try to change the ticket price into eternal life. Because here's what, here's what it is. Can you be smoke and still get saved? Yes, you can. Because it didn't say stop this and then you become a Christian. Okay, stay with me. So can I curse and get born again today? Yes, you can. Some of you are going like, I knew we should have went to the other church today. <laughs> Listen to me. Because some of you are really getting uncomfortable today. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff I can add. And some of you are going like, this is a liberal church. I knew we shouldn't have had him in. He doesn't even have a tie on. So stay with me for just a second. Because what you think. See, if you change the ticket price, you have just added to the scripture. He said, if you believe in your heart, listen, this is what he says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He didn't say get cleaned up and then you can be born again, because then that relies upon you. I know this is a teaching session, but let me just spit for a few moments here, because when you start to change the ticket price, then who's in charge of how much stuff you got to clean up before you get into eternal life? When does it stop? When do you stop? You're like, no, you got to dress like this. You got to stop doing this. Ooh, look at this. Pastor Tim is saying you can be in sin and come in. Let me tell you how smart God is. He says, and this is the C part. He says, if I can get you in, I can clean you up. But if you try to come in on your own, that's the C. Confess him as Lord. When you confess him as Lord, that means he's the boss. That means he's in charge now. See, you're not in charge. You can't change the ticket price into eternity. Look at me, folks. Or you're scalping tickets. You're standing out there going, you can come in. You can be born again in Times Square. But you got to wear this, look like this. Stop doing this. And then you can be born again. Who are you? Did you write? Oh, you're, one, you're the good one. That's right. It's Jesus and you. Did you write Romans 10, 9, and 10? I don't think so. But Pastor Tim, you're allowing sin in the church. I don't, this isn't my verse. Your problem is not with me. It's with the Apostle Paul. Because he says, if you can confess him as Lord, that means, you ready for this? When you walk into Christianity, when you walk into salvation, God, let me, let me say it like this. God loves you just the way you are. 
but loves you so much, he won't leave you the way you are. That's Christianity. But if someone wants to get born again and you start with, then stop this, then stop this, then stop this, you just change the scripture. You're scalping tickets into eternity. But when you begin to say, do you confess him as Lord? You're the boss now, which means, you ready for this? Boss means that when you, when you walk into Christianity, when you walk into a relationship with God, he's got veto power over every area of your life. He says, those words don't work anymore. That sexual orientation doesn't work anymore. The way you, the way what goes on here, that doesn't work. Living with that person, that doesn't work anymore. And I don't even have to tell you, God's word is big enough to tell you, if he's Lord, he can speak to any one of us today and get us back on the right track. Because if it's authentic, it will say saved. If it's authentic, I'm telling you, then I check the label. It's not someone who goes to church, Times Square Church, Hillsong, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian. It doesn't matter which church you go to. You have to be saved. That's what the first part says. Number two. A Christian is not only, what's the first one? Okay, get ready for this. They're also sure. They're sure they're saved. Or let me put it to you this way. A Christian should not be a question mark they should be an exclamation point. They shouldn't sit here going, I think I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. Listen, I grew up, let me tell you what was the biggest question mark in my life growing up in the church. I grew up in the church in the 70s, where way before Tim LaHaye, way before Jenkins wrote Left Behind, there was other authors that were writing rapture books that I grew up at a time that we thought, do not do this because Jesus can come back again. We were told, don't go to the movies because the rapture can take place. I never understood that. Like, I didn't understand that the movie theaters have like rapture-proof ceilings and nobody got through. I didn't understand that. Don't go to the movies. Jesus may come back again. And I'm just telling you, I grew up at a time and that was the thing. And I was never sure if I was born again. I remember, I don't, I don't know if this has happened to anybody else. I remember coming home one time and everybody who I knew was saved wasn't home. <laughs> has that ever happened to anybody here? Okay, Elder Jerry, thank God, Pastor David, you walk into the house and you're going like, Mom, Dad, and we didn't even have cell phones. And then I started calling people on the rotary phone, the Christians that I knew, and nobody was answering. I knew I was left behind. I knew that I wasn't taking the mark of the beast, and I was going to try to find a place that they couldn't find me, and I was going to hold out through the tribulation. And the worst thing was, nobody was answering that was born again. And then out of, out from upstairs, my brother came out, who I knew was going to hell. And I go like, you are the last person that I want to see right now. I need a Christian right now. My brother goes, what's going on? I'm going, we're going to hell. This is the tribulation. And thank God my mom walked in. I knew it didn't take place. Think for just a moment how, cra how crazy is this. That, oh, keep this in mind. Jot this down. Growth is gradual. Birth is immediate. And don't confuse them. That if you are a new Christian and you mess up, it doesn't mean every single Sunday, I got to get born again again. I don't want to get born again again again. And then what you end up, we forget growth is gradual, but birth is immediate. That's what happens. And we live in a culture, oh my goodness, that is filled with such anxiety and anger. It's joyless. Look at the faces. Just walk down these streets. Don't look at your phone. Look at people's faces. And see, see the anxiety. And if there's anybody that should be showing joy, it should be us. A couple years ago, I was talking to one of your volunteers. This is exactly what he told me. I said, I said write this down because I want to know. I want to make sure I tell it right. One of your volunteers here at TSC told me the story that his wife and him were meeting, had a meeting in Midtown Manhattan, and it was a very difficult week. And he said, 
After my wife and I walked out of that difficult meeting, I knew I needed to go to Whole Foods at Columbus Circle. And he says, and and I'm thinking of this meeting and how intense it was. And he said to me, he goes, while I was walking there, there was some lady begging for money right there at Columbus Circle, right in front of Whole Foods. And his words was, he said, I guess my face kind of didn't show very much joy. And he says, I wasn't even listening to her. And finally, she just literally screamed at me and she said fix your face God is good he said he said I got rebuked by a person begging for money and I knew that I I was messing up that regardless of how things go God is good that I need to be an exclamation point and can I just tell you something a lot of us need to fix our face because God is good And because we'll walk out of here. Get this. The gospel is good news. It's good news. We're we're saved. We can be sure. We can be an exclamation point that God is good. Do you understand how important this is? I mean, think about this. Pastor David Ham, I sat in the one o'clock service as he was talking about heaven and getting so excited. And can I just pause for a second? If you are here and you've been born again for maybe a year or less, you need to go to the one o'clock service. And let me tell you how important. I I mean, go to the 10 and the one or the one and the three, but the teaching is so important for us to begin to train. For 12 weeks, you're going to learn the basics of the Christian life. And it's so important. This week was, and this today was heaven. And it was, it was to watch him get excited about it. I, and Pastor Carter and I and Nikki Cruz were supposed to be in Lima, Peru a couple weeks ago. And I could never get there because of how awful. It was one of the worst travel days I've ever had. And, and so I, I didn't even go down there. Pastor Carter preached a whole bunch. And Nikki Cruz preached that night. And so Delta Airlines just messed everything up for me. No offense to Delta, but it was just, but something happened on the way here that I just, I showed my wife on the phone. I said, look at this. This is how excited I am right now. So as we were coming here to New York, when we scanned our tickets in, all of a sudden my phone started buzzing. And this is what it said. Bag number 4378 has just been put under the plane. Bag number 4379 has been put under the plane. Bag number, what they did was they let me know as I'm sitting on the plane going, I can't take another bad day of traveling. And Delta now has this app that tells you your bags have gone under the plane. And then when we landed at LaGuardia, it says bag number 4378 will be at the, will be at the baggage claim in 20 minutes. And then finally, another notification came and said bag 4378 is circling now the baggage claim. All I thought about was this. If Delta can track my bag from from Louisiana to LaGuardia, New York, can I just tell you something? I think Jesus can get you from New York City to heaven itself. I think God is better than Delta and said, if you've been saved, you can be sure. If Delta can get a bag to LaGuardia, he can get you from the Bronx to heaven and to eternity that you can know today for sure. Because a genuine Christian, number one, is what? Number two, a genuine Christian is? And number three, a genuine Christian is sound. Oh, I didn't even give you a verse for sure. First John 5.13, these things have I written to you that whoever believes in the name of the Son of God, you may know you have eternal life. A genuine Christian is number one what? A genuine Christian is number two what? And number three, a genuine Christian is? That's Titus 1.13. I want you to be sound in the faith. Let me tell you what that word means. It means healthy. So, when we moved down to Louisiana, let me tell you something about Louisiana food. New York City has the best food in the world. But Louisiana has the best cuisine in the country. It is French meets the South, and they had a child. And all of a sudden, you get jambalaya. And you, and you start to get some of the most amazing, and then sweet tea, Oh my goodness. And so I get a, I get a physical every single year 
and when I went to Louisiana, I had my physical to talk about being sound. So I went in there and you do your blood work before your physical. And so the doctor goes, hey, let's talk about your blood work numbers first. And then we'll talk. I said, great. And that's, but it's not usually good when they go, let's just talk before we do the physical. So I'm sitting there a couple years ago and he said this. He goes, let me just tell you about your numbers. Number one, your triglycerides are 900. How do you guys know that? I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, I was going like, just hold on, I'll get it to 1,000. He's going, no, 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 you don't want to get it. He says, no, you don't want to get it to 1,000. He says, if you have 900 glycerides, he says, number one, he says, either you are diabetic or you have pancreatic cancer or you're eating too many sweets. I said, it's C. I said, I said, I've been eating too many sweets. You have bread pudding, you have sweet tea, you have all. The, and he says, number two, he says, your triglycerides are so high that we can't even measure your cholesterol. It's off the charts. He says, you don't even have a number for cholesterol. I go, I know that's not good. And then he said, number three, he says, your blood pressure is at stroke level. So this is not, yeah, I'm the same way. And then he just goes, and one last thing. I'm going, is there anything else? He goes, yeah, you're obese. So I said, I said, well, thank you. So he gave me all this medication and I took all this medication and I put it on my counter and I just said, I'm not taking anything. I was just going to go be with you. No, I just said, I'm not taking anything. I said, what I need to do is I need to start eating right. I said, I just, I'm not going to start. And I put it all there as a, as a motivation to say, I'm going to eat right. And I changed five things in my life. Some of you going like, no, we want to know what that is. But you don't want to know what the other stuff is. So let me just, okay, let me just say this. Five things that I did that literally put me in sound health. That in six weeks, I had to go back. And you know what they said? All my numbers went to normal. <laughs> literally. Because I, I just did some simple things that brought me back to health. See, here's, here's what I realized. I mean, and I knew I needed to get healthy. I mean, I told you last week, my son is going off to college and I'm going to have three girls in my house. Do you understand three teenage girls? I mean, my numbers are back to going up one more time at that moment that I'm going to go. And, and seriously, I think I've got to walk three girls down an aisle one day. I've got to make sure I stay healthy. But here's what's crazy. What, what happens is I did all that for my physical health. But I want to just say something to you. We've got to think about our spiritual health. If all you do is eat once a week on Sundays, that's not healthy. If you're here today and you go, man, when I come to church, I'll be here all day. But if you're not spending time in his word, that's eating healthy. What you're doing is you're affecting your spiritual life. See, something, something in, in us should desire good food so we can begin to grow in our Christian life. I want you to be sound in the faith. Folks, can I just challenge you? Even if that means reading a chapter a day of the Bible. If that means going, I'm going to put the Tuesday night prayer service on my list that I've got to be there and pray. I want to tell you, take the Bible, get it on your phone, get, the, get, it, get an app and listen to it on the subway. That before you turn on music, before you turn um, to CNN or Fox News, make a commitment that before you read a newspaper, the Times to the Journal, you'd say, I've got to read his word. Because you can go into the newspaper and come out the same exact way. But when you go into the word of God, you come out different every single time it's adding soundness to our health and I'm telling you your numbers start adjusting spiritually because if all you do is get spiritual food when you come here to the church and go and I eat on Tuesdays and Sundays you're not going to be a healthy Christian to check the label we not only want to be saved and sure we do need to be sound there is this crazy sign in one of our national parks, in Yellowstone National Park, and it says this, don't feed the bears. Well, you're just going like, well, that's, duh. What? And, and, and they asked the ranger, they said, why, why is that sign up there? I, and, and I'm thinking, well, it's up there so they don't eat you. I don't want any bear close to me. He goes, you don't feed the bears or you'll have dead bears. Because what happens is when you feed the bears, they lose their ability to find food for themselves when the winter comes. 
And so when all you do is have Pastor David and Pastor Carter feed you, then you lose the ability to feed yourself when the difficult times begin to come into your life. We need you to learn to hunt through the scriptures, to find in the scriptures that when you don't feed yourselves, you're literally beginning to put yourself in a situation that you're not going to know what to eat when the difficult times come. Because a Christian needs to be, number one, saved. A genuine Christian is... A genuine Christian, number three, is... And finally, a genuine Christian, jot this down, is surrendered. They like that. Romans 6.13, yield yourselves unto God or surrender yourselves unto God. Let me just say it like this. It's hard to be a Christian, but it's too boring to do anything else. It's hard to be a Christian, but anything else is too, is too dull. It's the right thing to do. That's why, can I just say this to you? Authentic or real Christianity is not a merry-go-round it's more like a roller coaster. Don't ever be afraid. I mean, it's going to be up. It's going to be down. But when you are surrendered, I'm telling you, that means when God asks you to do something, this is important because not only is a genuine Christian is number one, what? Number two, a genuine Christian is a genuine Christian is and a genuine Christian is Okay, that means when God asks you to do the difficult or the inconvenient thing, when you are surrendered, you realize it's worth it. Let me explain it to you like this, because this is important for all of us. When you are in love, you surrender to that person. It's amazing that you want to do things to please them. I look at my wife here and I think to myself, when I, got, when, when I fell in love with Cindy... There were things that I had no interest in, but because she was interested, I became interested. She brought a dog into this marriage. It was this, it looked like a Wookiee. It was this ugly dog, and it's going like, this is Cindy's. Let me just tell you something. Because I loved her, I had to like Chewbacca. What's crazy is because I loved her, I started to love what she loved. Fast forward, we, Pastor Carter has seen him. We loved so much that we now have a 155-pound dog in our house. Before, it was like this, this thing you brought into the map. I love you. We'll accept it. And I mean, I don't even want to deal with it because when kids are going like, did the dog go to heaven? No, no, no. It's back in the ground. And this one went to hell. So you're going, there's no way this thing is going to Now I'm going like, no, this dog's going, this dog is going to be with Jesus. I can tell you that right now. It's amazing what happens in you. Listen, Pastor Carter and I were texting the other night. We were talking about the NHL Stanley Cup. I could care less about hockey, but my wife liked hockey. I didn't even know what a blue line was. And they're just going, going like, I don't even, my wife had season tickets to the Detroit Red Wings. And so our first time we ever went out was to the, was to a hockey, ma- a hockey game. And so I just, we went out to a hockey game. I didn't know what was going on, but I was pretending, oh, the blue line. Look, so hurry, hurry, hurry. I didn't even know what a trapezoid was. And I'm looking at a grind line. And they're shifting and shifts and all. What's amazing is I'm sitting there three nights ago watching the NHL Stanley Cup. Watching the Blues win in the NHL Stanley Cup. All because I love my wife. When you're in love with someone, it's crazy that you start loving what they love. And it doesn't take much when you're in love to help you to begin to become obedient. Even in the inconvenience things. Keep this in mind. Power can change your behavior but love can motivate you to change think about that power listen listen for just a moment power forces us to change but love motivates us to change and that's the difference that happens true victory begins when we surrender to God you know why this is important because there are going to be moments in your Christian life God's going to ask you to do the hard thing that when our, when our sister led us in worship or Greg leads us in worship, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come now, when they lead us in worship and they go, lift your hands, you're going like, yeah, I just, I don't do that. I just didn't come from that kind of, when you're in love with God, you do what God wants you to do. 
It's not Greg asking you. The Bible says, I want you to lift holy hands to God. So if you're sitting there going, like, yeah, we just didn't do that. I'm a Methodist. No, you're not. If, you're, if that's what's on your label, you're in trouble. I'm, I'm a Catholic. That's not, it can't be on the label. Listen to me close. Methodists don't go to heaven. Catholics don't go to heaven. And Times Square people, Square Church people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. So if you're sitting here today and they go, let's lift our hands. It's not a matter of like, I don't do that. If the Bible says, let's lift holy hands. If the Bible says, let's clap our hands. If the Bible begins to say, shout to the Lord. If the Bible says, tithe. Some said you went one step too far on the tithing thing. That's my money. I earned it. Wait, 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 wait. Who gave you, who gave you the legs to get on the A train to get to your office? Who gave you the eyesight to make sure you got on the A and not on the F? (laughs) Who gave you the mind to think through while you're studying at Columbia or NYU? Who gave you the mind to think through the problems and all those things? Who do you think provided that job? And when God goes, I want you to give 10% off the top of your income, not because you have to support the church. It's because it's a reminder to you that that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And if you're sitting here today thinking to yourself, and I bet they're going to take an offer. No, you can give tonight or online. You don't have to give right now. But some of you are sitting here wondering, I don't have to give this. Just always remember, all that you have, you're just a steward of it. When you're in love with God and he goes 10%, my goodness, he can ask for all of it. He says 10%. You know what the 10% is? It's a thank you note and a reminder that it all belongs to you in the first place, God. And one of the things that blows me away about this church, Pastor Carter and the leadership here, is they don't make a big deal of the offering. I have no problem making a big deal because many times where, where, where your heart is, many times, it's, John Wesley said this, that it's harder to convert a man's wallet than it is their own heart. And I'm just telling you, because when you're a Christian, you're going, I'm surrendered. God, if that's what you're asking for, God, it all belongs to you first. God, these hands belong to you. If you want them lifted up, if you want me to clap them, if you want this voice to sing, God, then Lord, that's exactly what I do. See, always remember this. Jot this down. If you want, here it is. If you want to change your schedule, come to church. If you want to change your life, come to Jesus. Some people just come to church on Sunday, but their life's not changed. Because religion will change your schedule. Jesus will change your life. Because when you check the label of an authentic Christian, this is what we close with. When you check the label, a genuine Christian, number one, is what? A genuine Christian, number two, is? Which means it doesn't matter when I am an exclamation point and not a question mark. I am not hoping I'm saved. I know I am saved. Not only is a genuine Christian saved, and are they sure, but number three, a genuine Christian is, which means I know how to feed myself. That means that before I turn on CNN or before I look at the USA Today or the New York Times, I'm going to look at his word. So when I go into that word, I come out better than when I went in. So not only am I saved and sure and sound, but a genuine Christian is what? Which means when he asks me to do the hard thing, it's not a problem because I'm in love with you. Religion forces me to do it, but a relationship says, I'm motivated to do it. If you love hockey, I love hockey. If you love Wookiees, I love Wookiees. If you love me worshiping you, then I love worshiping you because I am surrendered to Jesus himself today. Check the label. If you want religion, then just he'll change, it'll change your schedule. Come to church for two hours on a Sunday. And there are other churches that will do services less than that. But if you want to change life, you come to Jesus. Last year when we came and spent time with Pastor Carter and Teresa at their home, it was such a joy. My kids, we, we had such a good time with them. And I remember when we were driving back to his house, we still talk about the time that we had at the Conlins. And what would have been silly is for me to 
go to Pastor Carter. If we're going to your house, this is how you should go there. You should take these roads and go over here. It would be silly for me to do that. Why? He knows the way to his own house, doesn't he? Who am I? I'm Louisiana. I'm eating jambalaya and have 900 glycerides. <laughs> Who am I to tell him how to get to his own house? He knows how to get to his own house. Look at me. Jesus knows how to get to his own house. He doesn't need you giving him directions. So let's go back to the first thing. You know how Jesus says you get to your own house? Go to church. Be a good person. That's not what he says. Here are the directions to Jesus' house. John 3, 3. You must be born again. Same word for saved. He knows how to get to his own house. Who are we to say, God, I'll tell you how to get to heaven? We've never been there. Jesus was been there, has always been there, came to this earth for 33 years and went back up to heaven. He knows how to get home. And if you want to know how to get there, listen to his words. Unless a man is born again, he will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said. I wish I could change it. He didn't say you have to sing. He didn't say you have to be in the choir. He didn't say you have to go to church. He didn't say you have to be good. He didn't say you have to begin to do all these things. Stop this and start this. He didn't say any of that. He said you have to be born again. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? I already told you. A, admit I'm a sinner. And I can't do this on my own. There's a broken part of me that I just can't fix with any promises or programs. I can't, I can't be good enough. I can't be good enough to get there. It's be believing that God sent his son to die for me. To forgive me of my sin. To change me from the inside out. And that's why I confess him as Lord. You're the boss now. I couldn't get there on my own. But you're in charge now. You have veto rights. I want to ask you the most important question anybody could ask you today. Is have you been born again? Not if you went to church. Have you been born again? Today, we can get the first S on the label. I want you to bow your head with me, please, as we close. I'm so happy you came to this 3 o'clock service. I'm so happy that you're here. Those in the annex, those in the balcony, those on this main floor. If you're here today, I want to just ask you this question, most important question. Have you been born again? And it's starting the journey today. Some of you are going like, if I could just fix this, if I could stop this. I'm telling you, that's the ticket scalping. We're not going to do that. If you're here today and you go, Pastor Tim, I want to start that journey. I want to be born again. I thought just coming to church, I've been trying to be a good person. I've been trying not to do all these. It's impossible. There's a sin issue in us that not only needs to be forgiven, but when we make him Lord of our life, he goes after that. He starts rearranging. He starts coming in and cleaning. Religion says, come on Sunday. A relationship with Jesus says, I want every day. And today could be a change for you. I, I, I don't know if someone invited you today. I don't know if this is your first time. I don't know if you, someone handed you something and you came today. Maybe you felt something and just go, I, I needed to be in church today. And man, you couldn't have come at a better time. Today... I want you, when you leave this place, not only to be saved, but I want you to be sure. You can walk out of this place today and say, I'm going to heaven, not because I went to church. I'm going to heaven because I'm saved today. Saved and born again, same exact words. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want to be sure today. I want to start that journey. I want to be born again today. I'm just simply going to pray a born again prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer that I want, I want to walk with you through it. You're not going to feel alone. We're going to do this together. But if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to start that journey with God today. I don't want to be a knockoff. I don't want to just make up my own directions to God's house. But today, I want to know that if I was to die, I'm going to heaven. I want to know today I'm starting a brand new walk, a brand new journey with God today. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be sure. I'm going to be sound. Because there's some things that I just can't stop on my own. But God's going to help me to be sound. And I'm going to be surrendered to him today. But it just simply starts with just starting the journey. You don't have to do all that stuff. It just we start with the journey today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim. When you pray that born again prayer. I want to be part of that. I want to start a journey with God today. I want to be born again. I want to know today 
My name is, when I die, I am going to be in heaven with Jesus today. So life is too short. Eternity is too long to be wrong. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, I want to be part of that. I want to start that journey to every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Hold it up high. Just hold it up high. Hold it up as high as you can because I want to make sure I see every hand that's up in this place. Keep them up high. Balcony. See up there. Down. Okay, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Every hand that's raised up right now, and I'm going to tell you, you have a bunch of people that are about to cheer for you. If you've raised your hand, I want you to stand up right where you're at. Just stand up right where you're at. And I want you to, and, and listen, if there's someone with you, you can bring them down. I want you to come right down here because I want to pray with you right now. Quickly, stand to your feet. If you raised your hand, balcony, come on, stand up all over here, over here. I want you to make your way down because I want to begin to pray with every one of you as you begin to make your way down. Come on, can we clap and cheer for them as they come down? Balcony, can we stand and cheer for them? Come on, Times Square Church, would you stand to your feet right now as they begin to come? This is going to be a brand new day for them at the 3 o'clock clock stars balcony we're gonna wait for you because this is the beginning of a brand new start for them today today is time for eternity God is going to do that work today we're gonna wait for you to come because I believe that this is gonna be an amazing moment for every single one of you that are coming down today come on Times Square Church those at this those up front here would you just look at me for a second you're about to start a journey that is going to change your life forever. You know what I love? How old are you? 25. How old are you? 63. Isn't it awesome? You could be 25. You could be 63. It doesn't matter. Jesus changes us from the inside out. That's what makes this so amazing. I'm so happy you're here. What a joy. I'm look, she looks very happy that you're down here right now, which I'm so excited. You're going to get ready to start a journey today. And I want to encourage you, a next step after we pray is at 1 o'clock that they do every single Sunday that is going to begin to help us on it. But let's start the first step. And you're not going to be alone. We're all going to pray this together. Come on. Can we say this all together out loud? Pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you die for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands.